So, Michelle. So, David. We have had so many messages come through on Twitter this really? week. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are I, people still on Twitter? People are still on Twitter. I no, thought no, they moved to threads. No one's moved to threads. No, oh. no, no. Remember, when you're in the intelligence world, change happens slowly. So slowly. Oh, yeah. You don't want to You don't want to leap. I mean, what if you went over to threads and there's no one there? You can't spy on them. There's only about 50 million people, but Is sure. there? I don't know. Look, I, I'll be yeah. honest with you. I've been very lazy. I haven't gone to threads at all. I've been still tooling around on Twitter because that's where all of our friends are. But also you're too old for threads. Oh. <laughs> that's so accurate. It's where the cool kids hang out. Oh, well, okay. Then no, I'm actually, yep. the cool kids hang out on TikTok. Yeah. It, it, where threads is kind of in between. I'm definitely not allowed on any of those platforms. No. Uh, right, so anyway, uh, there are two things that came in, both sent to us. One was sent to us by Matt Fitz yep. on Twitter. And if you want to listen to it, talk to us on Twitter. And if you actually... If you have any information we might want to know about, yeah, never presume that I know. No, because you don't know much. Yeah, but it actually, it's generally best to presume I don't know and yes. tell me. So Matt Fitz sent us a story about ASIO, and we'll get into that later. But Salty Sea Dog sent me. Something. We love Salty. Good old Salty. He sent me something, and it's a new book by Lieutenant Colonel Jean-François Lullier. Okay. Uh, he is the former DGSE, that is the Director of the General Security External, which is the French analogue of our ACES. Yeah. He wrote a book called In the Tripoli Man. I think it's a typo, the way that's been translated. Okay. He's got In the Tripoli Man, Memoirs of a Secret Agent. Yeah, he's listened to the podcast, obviously. He got, I can do that, but I will do it in book form. Yep. And he basically exposes all of the operations that were going on in Tripoli involving the French DGSE and Muammar Gaddafi. Remember him? Yeah, right. I do. Barely. And, but also, in this story, he uh, talks about how the British done the French wrong in that little relationship. And it brought this question to mind. Why do allies spy on each other? I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. Right? Why would I want to spy on my friend? Because your friend's not always truthful. Well, do I have friends? That's the question. Well, yeah. So today I want to look at why our allies and we spy on each other. Why friends spy on each other, not just spying on enemies. Okay, let's do it. Okay. You're listening to I Spied, the friendly spy of Australian intelligence. Uh, your license is expired. Oh, oh is it? That's a nice result. Oh. I wonder where you bought that shirt. Okay. You got a really good price for that yeah. shirt. Oh, Gee, I didn't know you had a gold Wait, card. how do you how do you know all this? I'm just going through your papers. What? I have an interest in your purse. But we're friends. Oh, jeez, that's a plan. Okay, okay just Yeah, we're back. definitely friends. Okay, your okay, shout. Okay. Your okay. shout. Hello and welcome to I Spied. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Kellen. And to be honest, I didn't even know what we were talking about today. There was no conversation about this before. Well, I did send you an article. I did send you the article that Salty sent me. So you, you can't complain. But then again, that was on WhatsApp and you don't read WhatsApp because that's where the daggy people are. Yeah. Well, no, that drug dealers are on WhatsApp as well. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, right. So essentially this story is about how the British mm. absolutely back-ended the French, but also what the French were doing in Tripoli at the time was, right. or in, in Libya was quite incredible because 
I don't know if you remember, but right sort of after the turn of the century and once the war on terror started, Muammar Gaddafi got a bit worried because Libya used to be like base camp number one for pretty much every terrorist organisation on the planet. The, The IRA used to train there. Why you train in a desert when you're fighting in Dublin is beyond – well, not Dublin, in Belfast is beyond me. But anyway, so essentially Gaddafi decided, I'm not going to survive this if I don't do something. So he reached out to the French. Right. At the time, the president of France was one Sarkozy. Um, Sarkozy is currently, like, facing charges for corruption because he took something like 50 uh, – currently it's estimated at 50 million euro mm. from Gaddafi as campaign funding. Right. Now, interestingly enough, Muammar Gaddafi sort of turned around and said, look, we're beginning to find – he went, oh, my God, we found all of these terrorists in Libya and also next door in Chad and all the other countries around us. Do you want us to do something about it? Um, And by the way, I've got these rebels that want to kick me out of power. Mm. And Sarkozy basically turned around to the French intelligence service and went, back the rebels, get rid of this guy. So it does sort of tend to sound like Sarkozy went, let's get rid of the witness to this corruption that I might have been involved in. Yeah, probably. So eventually he was killed, right? Muammar Gaddafi died. He was captured by the rebels. They beat him up and then somebody put a bullet through his eye. Not an auspicious way to die when you're a world leader. But there was one guy that worked for him very close in. He was his foreign minister, mm. a guy by the name of, you're going to love this name too. It's Musakusa. 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 Right? I do like that so name. So Musakusa was, uh, worked in the foreign ministry as a deputy secretary. He worked there as a deputy foreign minister. He was a foreign minister. It's also widely regarded that he was probably the intelligence chief for Libya as well. Right. Now, the French desperately wanted him. They really wanted him because he knew all the dirty secrets. He knew where everything was hidden. He knew how the relationships between Libya and everyone worked. Now, it comes – we go back to Lieutenant Colonel Jean-Francis Lullier. Okay. Now, Lullier, who was the man on the ground in Tripoli, he was the DGSE's chief of, uh, station chief. If I was living in Libya, I would have been sleeping with his secretary. Now, anyway, the whole thing is he basically got contacted by an English intelligence officer who went – oh. Can, our, uh, can we get our SAS in contact with your DGSE paramilitaries who are in country right now? Mm. To which Lulier went, yeah, of course, and then rang France and went, do we have troops on the ground? And that's when his own organisation went, uh, yeah, we, we do, yeah. We decided <laughs> not to tell you for reasons beyond our control. So it turns out that there was an operation going on in the, from the organisation that he was the representative of that he didn't know anything about. Great. Now – Jump forward about a year, and the French foreign minister was flying into Libya to talk to Moussa Kousa, the Libyan foreign minister, to go. Oh no, it was the, it wasn't the foreign minister. It was the head of the DGSE. He went, "Do you want to come and work in? Come to France, work with us, mm. and give us all your information." They got there. They go to the meeting. Moussa Kousa didn't show up. Where was Moussa Kousa? He was on a plane that MI6 provided flying him to London. Oh wow! So MI and it's, it's a great quote in the book where basically the head of DGSE went, "Well, obviously." MI6 offered him more. Yeah. Right. So this was the thing. The French and the English were working together to basically topple Gaddafi. But what the French didn't realise at the time was the English were backdooring them on pretty much everything they'd set up. I mean, it it makes sense to me. It makes sense. Now, here's the thing. It's now turned out, and thanks to Edward Snowden and also our favourite guy, Tezera, the Discord leaker, it turns out America has been spying on pretty much Everyone on the planet, including a lot of their very close allies. Now, interestingly enough, and there's a great uh, – the one thing that you've got to keep in mind for the rest of this podcast mm. is countries do not have friends. No. Right? We have interests. 
right? And it's our interest to be allied with the United States at the moment. If something changed dramatically, it may become our interest to ally with China. I can't see it happening in the foreseeable future. But, you know, while China is an adversary, America is not our friend. As much as our politicians get up and go, we're a great friend of America and America is a great friend of Mm. us. No, 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 no. We are merely interested in each other. We have a mutual interest in an outcome. Yes. Right? So this is what's happened is particularly the NSA has been basically exposed as bugging pretty much every European leader. It's also turned out they're spying on the Koreans, the South Koreans, not just the North Koreans, the South Koreans. It turned out they were actually looking at the South Koreans because the South Koreans were basically like being contacted by the Ukrainians saying, can we have some of those artillery shells you've got lying around? And the Americans were basically going, are they going to send our artillery shells or their own, the ones they produced? So all of these little facts Mm. and figures, factoids and figures like this. Now, what was really interesting about it is everyone's reaction. Yeah. Now, Angela Merkel, the former Chancellor of Germany, was one of their targets, was targeted for years. And actually, it turned out that Denmark helped the United States bug her phone, bug everything about her. What was interesting was her reaction was, well, I'm not really sort of impressed, but I grew up in East Germany under the Stasi, so what's new? Yeah, I I don't think that anyone's really surprised about this kind of information. Well, this is the interesting thing. Inwardly, like in internally, in, internally in in the back rooms, mm. no one cares. No, right? But externally, like the French got up. What was the the line the French had? It is grotesque that friendly intelligence services are indeed intercepting and spying on top representatives of other countries. Well, the French like to foe outrage at every moment. Anyway, oh I my mean, God. look at how angry they got when we decided we didn't want to get them to produce our subs because I don't know. It was taking about twenty years, and it was <laughs> over budget. And who knew if they were ever going to do it? And, yeah. yeah, and now we've got we you, we basically got to turn around to China and go. Please don't invite anyone for yeah. another twenty years yeah. because we won't have anything. No. Now, interestingly enough, what's very interesting about that was the Americans basically turned around and went, yeah, 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 really terrible, spying on your friends, awful. When I think it was the Secretary of State, so the American Foreign Minister is the Secretary of State. He was visiting Paris. Now, normally, when anyone, the president, like when the president mm. comes to Australia, and he goes to Canberra. He will stay at the U.S. Embassy because that is the most secure place 100%. for an American to be. Right? Yeah. So in Paris, the Secretary of State should have stayed at the embassy, but the embassy was being renovated at the time, so he was in a hotel. As soon as he left his hotel, the French intelligence services went through every single bag they could. Of course. Right. This is what we do. We spy on each other to get a leg up. Now, right, we want information. You, you want information so you can trade information. Not just that. Interestingly enough, this is a great point because as soon as this idea came into my head, I went, hang on, let's really dig into this. There's pretty much three reasons why. One, we want information relevant to national security. Now, there was a huge uptick in spying on friends yeah. after the, the war and terror started because it was like, yeah, we're you're going to sh- you may be sharing information about what's going on in your country with potential terrorist organizations mm. but are you sharing all of it what are you holding back so we'll start spying on you to get information on what threats might come from your country even though you're a friendly nation sorry a nation that has a mutual interest yeah. with us it doesn't mean that there aren't people in there that want it don't want to hurt us right so we're going to look at your country to like for us it would be like Indonesia has, you know, Jamar Islamia is 
in Indonesia, they are a threat to Australian security. They killed 88 Australians in a bombing in in Bali, right? So we want to know about that. Are the Indonesians going to share everything about no. them? No. So we're going to spy on them to find out what they know about them. The other one is for insight in the actual, in the target's situation, internal situation. How's that government actually doing? Are they okay? Are there any problems? And also to get leverage, is there anyone in that country that's kind of corrupt that we might be able to use? Yeah. And, you know, gee, the Americans must have loved the last government. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, there's insider knowledge. Mm. Who are they trading with? Who are they getting their defence information from? What are they doing? And, oh, by the way, who are they trading with? Can, can we undercut the deal they're trying to make? Which is, there was a, an operation that ASIO had actually organised. They'd planned, it's quite famous now. They'd planned, or, they'd worked out a perfect way of bugging the new Chinese embassy, mm. which is now the Chinese, Chinese embassy in Canberra. They'd worked out a perfect way to do it. But of course, some bean counter somewhere in government went, no, can't afford it, not going to do it. Yeah. So they handed it over to the Americans. The Americans went, yeah, great idea. We'll do this. What a brilliant idea. But we're not going to share everything we get because it's our operation now. So Australia basically handed over a doorway into an, an incredible intelligence asset and then lost the access to that asset because it was being run by a different intelligence service, right? So this is- Not one, ideal. Not ideal. Now, I mean, of, of course, everyone would go, but we don't do that, do we? Because we're Australia and we're good old- But we know of, that we do that. Oh, can you, can you name one really big one? Well, Indonesia- Perfect, but which yeah. little bit of Indonesia? Where we were, um, we bugged a meeting. Dili. Yeah. Right. So that this is the really big one, right? And it, for Australia, it it really highlights. Well, for the entire subject, subject, it really highlights the idea of spying on friends, mm. particularly when you're dealing with a little friend that's just literally been born. Yeah, I, I don't consider Indonesia a strong. Friend, but I look. I understand. But we didn't. We're friendly. Is, we weren't spying on Indonesia. We were spying on Timor Leste, yes. this tiny country that had just gotten its independence. But we were doing it on Indonesian soil. Well, no, no, no. We were doing it on on Dili. It was in Dili. It was in Timor. Oh, was it? Right. I thought it was in Indonesia. No, 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 no. They basically tried to bug the prime minister's office and they did it. Mm. Right now, what they did was they put a listening device in a room adjacent to the prime minister's office. Mm. Right. Okay. Sounds all, all legit. How they did that? Probably had a photocopy guy go in and do it. You know, Somebody went in there to do a bit of maintenance to yep. fix something or an Australian went, hey, let's fix your phones up for you. And while they're doing that, in go the listening devices. Now, those listening devices were put in there during the most important negotiation that was going on between Australia and Timor. Yeah. And that was for the Timor Gap, right? The oil and gas fields that sit between, like, just off the coast of Dili. It's, a, I think it's, what, about 150 nautical miles off the coast of Dili and about 900 nautical miles off the coast of Australia. Yeah. But Australia sort of went, well, that's kind of ours. Mm. To which uh, Timor Leste went, no, guys, that's literally on our continental shelf. It's ours. And it was a very, very heated negotiation. It was not a friendly negotiation by any stretch of the imagination. Now, what happened next, and this is the one that gets really, really kooky, is they put this listening device in. Mm. So essentially what happened was our government, and at the time it was the Howard government, gave ASIS permission to bug the Prime Minister's office. And it was a very heated negotiation. Like, mm. Very heated. It was very – because basically Australia was saying that's ours and 
Timor was saying, no, it's ours, and there was no give yeah. or take. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, the person who represented Timor-Leste in the negotiations basically turned around and went, essentially what Australia was doing was to find out what our bottom line was. Yep. What we would finally accept. Now, there is a great quote from the minister at the time, one you've probably never heard of him, was a guy called Alexander Downer. Oh, never heard of him. Never heard of him. Alexander Downer basically turned around and said, how dare you? We've done so much for you and now you're bullying us just because we're a rich country. To which Timor Leste went, no, 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 we're a country that needs this money. Essentially, the Timorese were losing something like a million dollars a day on this deal. Yep. Now, that was back in, I think, 2004. What happened was it was then exposed to the Gillard government when Witness K, yep. one of the ACES officers that was actually working on the operation, and he's called Witness K because we cannot reveal his identity, and it's still sub judice the entire thing. Yep. Basically, he turned around and went, I cannot in good conscience let this lie. I can't sit here and let this go away because essentially Australia was taking 80% of the profits out of that oil field. Now, what happened was Janana Guzmal, who was the mm-hmm. president of Timor-Leste at the time, turned around and went to Julia Gillard, we want this renegotiated because this is, un- this is unconscionable, it's immoral, you bugged us, you cheated on the negotiation. And sorry, Gillard turned around and went, yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Yep. And then funnily enough, they took us to the International Court and that's where ASIO comes in. Because yeah. the International Court, he, uh, Witness K was being represented by Bernard Kaliri and Janana Guzmal called Witness K as a witness in the International Court of Justice in The Hague. Then ASIO raided Bernard Kaliri and Witness K's premises, took all their information and took Witness K's passport so he can't leave the country. So he can no longer serve as a witness at the International Court of Justice, and the case falls apart. Funnily enough, it was, it actually got changed. The yep, whole thing has been did. changed, yep. and literally it's been flipped. Australia gets 20%, and Timor Leste gets 80% of all the profits coming out of that oil field. So, I mean, and for a country that small and that new, it needs that kind of money. To me personally, immoral, yes. Illegal, yes ish. But out of the realms of what spies do, Absolutely not. This is what we do. Yeah, well, and like then there's the Edward Snowden stuff that about how we attempted to listen in on the phone calls of the Indonesian president and yeah. also, you know, also now, his wife and people around him. So Of course, we want to know what Wododo's up to because we want to we want leverage. Yeah. So the whole thing is when we have this visceral moral reaction, and look, I'll be honest with you. A couple of the things that came out of the Timor-Leste bugging, the the thing that I find most abhorrent about it and most dubious about yeah. it is the fact that the Australian government actually didn't get much out of that deal. Woodside, no, we looked but, terrible. But not just the fact that we looked terrible, we didn't get a lot of money out of it because all the money went to a little company called Woodside Petroleum. Yeah. And funnily enough, the minister who authorised that operation, when he left politics, wound up on an $800 a year job with Woodside Petroleum. Oh, and it's just that's so like, unusual. Yeah, it's really so the whole thing is it's like for for as an uh, a moment of immorality, a moment of corruption, yeah, it stinks. But as the way international espionage operates, this is totally on game. Yeah, and I look, I have no doubt that, you know, our friends are spying on us as well. Of course, of course. Now, interesting in us, we're we're a part of Five Eyes. Mm. So US, UK, Australia, New Zealand and Canada. Yep. We're part of the Five Eyes. We share intelligence. 
The one rule of Five Eyes is you do not spy on each other. But we all do. Yeah, yeah, we don't (laughs) spy on each other, but we kind of spy on each other. Right, right, here's the bottom line. We don't spy on each other, but we walk really closely to someone when they're talking. Exactly. (laughs) And another thing about that is we don't spy on each other, Mm. but we use each other to get around any restrictions on spying on our own citizens. Yes. Right? So the CIA are not allowed to spy on Americans. Well, they're not meant to. Doesn't mean they don't. But bottom line is the rule is you're not allowed to spy on your own citizens. Yeah. But you know what, Australia? Can you spy on that guy for us? Because we're not allowed to. Yeah. And Australia would go, yeah, sure, no worries. You know, it's part of doing business. Now, with that, we're not allowed to spy on each other. Of course we do. Mm. Right? But- the whole thing is other countries, like the fact that Denmark is heavily enmeshed in the NSA spying on European leaders. Like, uh, why? Because we want to do something for America because they're the big dog. Yeah. And, you know, NATO and the European Union aren't doing anything for us. Maybe America will. So this happens everywhere. Everyone is spying on everybody else. Here's the big thing. This is what it comes down to, and this is why the Dilly one is really important. Yeah. The, the team or Leste bugging. We got caught. Yeah. That's it. That's the only issue. If Our hands no- were firmly in the cookie jar. Yeah, uh, yeah we had the co- hands in the cookie jar. We had <laughs> chocolate all over our yeah. face. And we can't then turn around and go- Say it wasn't me. Canada did it. Yeah. Because right? Canada went, hey, that's not- we did, Hey, we didn't do that. Hey, we're, and if we did, we're sorry. Hey, because we don't spy on anybody. <laughs> of course you don't. Yeah. Right? So this is the-, the For me, this is what I loved about this story mm. is the fact that it, it, it sort of- the, the cracked open this really, really, really big egg full of all of this meaty, yolky, albumin kind of goodness yeah. that just goes to show that no matter how clean skin we think we are. We're not at all. We're not. And it comes down to the bottom line is spying is an exceptionally dirty business. Of course. Now, when I first left ASIO, I remember getting approached by civil liberties Mm. Association, we'd like you to become our representative uh, against intelligence, to which I went, well, I'm stupid. That makes a lot of sense, but no. And they went, but you must be horrified, and that's why you left. I went, no, I left because they said I should go and be a comedian. And then they went, but surely you've got you know, you've got a lot of anger. And it's like, I've got no anger whatsoever. Yeah. See, for me, what annoys me the most about Timor-Leste, beyond the fact that there is the sniff of corruption at the back of it, but what really annoys me about that is that is an operation that should never have been exposed. And the reason it was exposed was one of the operating officers on it went, I'm sorry, this is now, you've gone beyond the pale. You've right. pushed it too far. Like if Australia had turned around and gone, look, we really aren't worth more than 50% of this, or 30% of this deal, let's push them to 50 and see if they buy mm. Because uh, they, all they wanted was the bottom line. Now, the fact that the Timorese settled for 20% of that oil field is, to me, boggling. But again, what they did with all of this bugging, they bugged the discussions between the Timorese parties to the negotiation. They weren't just looking for, well, what's the bottom line? You're going well, to I do I do understand why someone would find that abhorrent, though. They were also, yeah, but they were also looking at, well, who can we work on? To come to our side. Well, look, it's one thing to kind of bug your friends to understand what they're doing and what they're mm-hmm. about and, and glean information. It's another thing to financially make sounder decisions against countries that are smaller than yours. Yeah, right. Now, the fact that Alexander Downer turned around and said, oh, how dare you call us a bully? Well, it's kind of bully behaviour. Well, hello, what's been exposed. And interestingly enough, Bernard Caleri's, the case against Bernard Caleri has been dropped, but it hasn't been dropped against Witness K. Mm. And there are a lot of people that are saying, you know, come on, step up, get it done, get rid of this, because it's, it's, 
basically you go, you're, you're punishing a guy for doing the right thing. Now, Australia has a problem with whistleblowers, and we've yeah. talked about this before. I am chasing a whistleblower, even as we speak, to try and get him to come and talk to us about what it's like to be the whistleblower yeah. as opposed to the situation that he exposed. Now, bottom line, and this is – take this away, you know, if you think that it's immoral, mm. it is. If you think it should be stopped, it won't be. But also, so is government. Like, it's not like they're doing anything that you wouldn't expect them to be doing. No, that's exactly right. They're doing exactly what they're doing they doing their need job. To do. They are looking after the yep. national interest, yep. right? Remember, no friends, only interests. So, as much as we will pal around and put our arm around mm. the shoulder of who, whichever president, prime minister, or king comes to our country, we're still going to go through your luggage when you leave your yep. room. That is what we do. Right. Now, well, the other thing ASIO. Yes. Right. I, I took great. I, and thanks again to Matt Fitz for sending this one to me because I saw it and went, oh, my God, I, there's still a little bit of me in ASIO. ASIO had, I think it was something like 150 applicants to work for them. They are yes. getting a lot of – they are doing a lot of recruiting now. Yes. ASIO, I think it was about seven to 900 people when I worked there. I think it's up to about 3,000 now. Okay. It's a big organisation. They do a lot of hard work. Yeah. And one of those hard works is cybersecurity. Mm. Until someone said, sent an email out to all recipients. They basically sent, mm. a, they clicked they on the wrong button. The all, the at all. The at all, right? So mm. basically, what they should have done was click on recipient's name, cut and paste the message. What did they send? It was to 150 applicants mm-hmm. saying, sorry, you didn't get the job. You're not the oh. applicant we're looking for. So it doesn't sound so bad, but the big thing was it kind of blew up on Twitter because a lot of people went, yeah, thanks for sending that message. Uh, really, is it worth you telling me I've got to keep this secret when you told 149 other people that I applied a jo- for a job for you? Oh, so you could see the recipient. You could see everyone's name on oh, the list. God. So instead of blind copying it, That's they terrible. sent, they based, yeah, huge mistake. Massive mistake, very embarrassing for a company, yeah. a, a, uh, an organisation that is meant to be looking after our cybersecurity. Now, God bless them, uh, an unnamed spokesman for ASIO. Yeah. Because actually, I posted. Somebody sort of went, "Oh, you know." Someone said it's a bit of a, mm. it's a bit of an irony that you know our IT guy is running ASIO, and it kind of went tits up. You know, yeah. This kind of mistake was made, to which I sent back via the iSpied. Twitter feed at, at I Spied podcast. podcast. When I sent it back, it was just that classic gif of Jean-Luc Picard sort of dropping his head yeah. his, into his hand. Right. So I sent that and then he basically sent one back to me, which was Jeb Bartlett from the West Wing going, just admit your wrongness and stand there getting used to being wrong, which I thought, yeah, right. Honestly, he must have just gone, God damn it, you freaking idiots. I thought we got rid of Callan. Right. So this was the thing, massive, massive stuff up. But Attention to detail is quite pertinent in these situations. But really that big a stuff up? Not Mm. really, right? Because interestingly enough, it only went to the 150 applicants. So did they all not get the job? They all did not get the job. (laughs) But also the great thing is at least you know that, well, I'm in with a good crowd. Yeah. Right. So essentially uh, at the moment, ASIO kind of just sitting there going, oh, shit, why did this have to happen Mm. today? But look, if that is the worst of their problems at the moment, we're in a good spot. Okay, so next step. Next step. I'm I'm coming in with something. Ooh, 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 ooh. do I get to know or you're not going to tell me? No, you're just going to like sit there and take it. <laughs> I'm scared. So I might have to come up with something. Yeah, that's the thing. With, with this <laughs> podcast, this podcast has no friends. We just have interests. <laughs>